0: Well, good morning. I like it when people say my name. Good morning. morning. (laughs) This is great. Uh, Well, before we dive into the last Sunday of our current series, uh, I want to let you know what we're going to be uh, starting next week. Uh, Next week, we're going to be kicking off a series regarding a topic that our all-church survey, which we've done over the past two weeks, uh, revealed that it's a very desired uh, topic, a very necessary one, I think, uh, for all believers, uh, no matter where we are in our walk with Jesus. And that topic is is prayer. So so beginning next week, we're going to spend four weeks talking about prayer and looking at specifically how Jesus taught us to pray. Because prayer and, and praying, it's it's more than just talking to God frequently and continuously, uh, but it's also about making room in our lives, creating space where we give him a chance to speak. Uh, Now, there's never, I guarantee all of us, I should say, have prayed for something, right? We've all said, God, tell me what to do here, there, and then maybe he does, and we're like, okay, but can you give me a sign that's you and Then something happens, you're like, can you give me a sign that was the sign that that was you? Right? So we pray, but we don't create space sometimes to hear back from God, and then we wonder, is that really him communicating back to us? And so we're going to hit on all of that over the next four weeks uh, in our new series. And so let's go ahead uh, and pray now uh, as we dive into the the last topic uh, of our new series. Uh, God, we are thankful um, just that you hear us when we pray. That's something, that's such a small miracle that we don't even think about, but you when we speak, you listen. And your attention not only sustains us, but it's one of the, the many ways that you show your love for us. So soften our, our hearts and our minds uh, now as we dive into uh, your word, as we dry, dive into your wisdom. Uh, we know that, that growth isn't always fun and correction isn't always exciting, but may we be open to growth and open to correction in our behaviors here this morning it's in the name uh, that we're all gathered uh, here for, the the, the name that this whole whole thing revolves around. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So next week we'll start to understand how to communicate better with God. But today we're going to wrap up our current series by talking about uh, One More Killer to Our Relationships. And it's a, it's a threat, it's a killer that is looming in uh, the people closest to us, our most intimate relationships, but it's also a, a killer and a threat to the relationships that we have with people um, through our jobs, through our schools, through our hobbies, through really any of the circles that we run in. And that killer is unhealthy communication, unhealthy communication. Now, ironically enough, when we look at the other killers we've talked about so far in this series, which have been greed, pride, and lust. We recognize that that all of those topics can be managed and, and even overcome and certainly worked through in the context of our relationships if we're willing to talk about them, if we're willing to communicate in a positive way with somebody else about them. Now, when we talk and then say unhealthy communication, I know that there's some of us who know exactly what that looks like. Uh, it doesn't take a medical you know, professional to always diagnose some undeniable, unhealthy physical issues, and, I, and I'm sure that many of us could point out the rather obvious ways that people uh, communicate in an unhealthy way. We can look and see well, when one spouse degrades another, and we can say, well, that's, that's not healthy. We can see two people yelling at one another, and no, that's clearly not healthy. We can look at continual interruption, and no, that's not healthy, uh, pathologically lying, lying intimidation manipulation, or the myriad of other very abrasive, unhealthy forms of communication. I think we, we all know what some of those rather obviously look like, and some of us know firsthand the damage that can do to relationships. But there's also some small, maybe unnoticed subtleties that are causing conflict in our relationship that we may not even be aware of. Now, a term that I never considered until this past year was uh, underlying conditions, I have been relatively healthy my entire life, and I feel like the only reason I say that is because I've mainly measured my physical health um, by certain symptoms or lack thereof. And so over this past year, I've actually kind of been a little unsettled at the fact that there could be something going on within my body, uh, suddenly below the surface, unnoticeably affecting my health. And this can be the case as it pertains to unhealthy communication as well. I think what we'll see today is when we say unhealthy communication, it's not just the most obvious visible markers that can negatively impact our relationship. But it can be those unhealthy aspects of communication that are are unseen, just below the surface, but my goodness, they're doing damage. We may think out of sight, out of mind, but that just isn't the case. So today we're going to encompass both seen and, and unseen aspects of unhealthy communication. Now, despite the, the obvious conflict that it can bring, communication, it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, right? If you think about it, from one human mind to another, the power of a successfully communicated thought, it's one of the most tremendous forces that we know. Uh, but just like the term, it takes two to tango it, it takes two to communicate. You can communicate a thought, right? But, but your thought, it may be uh, misunderstood, You can communicate a thought the best you can. It may be ignored. You can communicate a thought the best you can, and it may be grossly misinterpreted. There's a story about uh, J. Edgar Hoover. He ran the FBI for 37 years, and he was a a powerful, very intimidating force within the Bureau. And as a result of of this, his subordinates, they're always trying to find ways uh, to impress Hoover. They wanted to impress however they could their powerful boss. The story tells of this young FBI man, and this man was put in charge simply of the FBI's supply department. But even he wanted to impress his powerful boss, and so uh, in an effort to cut costs and impress his boss, he decided that he was going to reduce the size of the office memo paper. Right? Something to him that didn't seem like a big deal at all. People may not even notice. Well, one of the new memo sheets ended up on Hoover's desk shortly after. And then Hoover took one look at it and he determined he didn't like the size of the memo, the, the margins on the paper. And so he grabbed a pen and, and here's what he scribbled down. He said, watch the borders, watch the borders. Now, unbeknownst to Hoover, when he left the office that day, the memo was passed on from hand to hand to hand. And oddly enough it became extremely difficult for the next six weeks to enter the United States by, uh, by, from either Mexico or Canada. Why? Because the FBI was literally watching the borders of the country. Uh, th- th- they thought that they had received a warning from Hoover, their chief, and they didn't want to, to fail him. But they hadn't. They, they, they took a, a harmless comment regarding the changes to, to memo paper as a grim warning to defend the country and spent millions of dollars trying to do so. All right, that story, uh, it shows us that the communication can be tricky. And any of us who have ever been in a relationship with anyone can testify to that fact. But healthy communication is essential. And in healthy communication, how we communicate to other people, it matters to God. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 22 that the two most important things for you and I in our life is to love God and love people. Essentially what Jesus stated in Matthew 22 is that relationships are everything, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And healthy relationships are are so vital to living life to the fullest as Jesus promised in John chapter 10. And so if relationships are... Are everything, according to Jesus, then communication is the lifeblood of our relationships. The way we communicate, it matters to God, and so it should matter to us. Yet communication is the number one cause of divorce, up to 65% uh, according to most mental health professionals, followed by conflict resolution at 43% which I think we can all agree upon, is also about poor communication as well. Prolific author and counselor, Dr. Gary Collins, in his book, Christian Counseling, he writes this. He says, it is well known that many marriage difficulties relate to a breakdown in husband-wife communication. The same is true of other problems and relationships as well. People are unable or unwilling to communicate. The counseled must learn how to communicate feelings, thoughts, and attitudes, both accurately and effectively. Such communication involves the expression of oneself and the ability to receive accurate messages from others. So in this short paragraph, Dr. Collins defines two basic elements of communication. Communication is sending and receiving accurate messages. Healthy communication involves uh, both talking uh, our words and, and also actively listening. And so in our time today, we're going to see what God has to say about these, beginning with our words. And, and anytime we talk about our words, I want it to be clear that, uh, yes, that is how we speak. Um, that is when we write. Remember, we used to do that. Uh, but it's also when we talk about our, our tongues and our words, it's, it's also about the things we type as we hide behind a keyboard. The book of James outlines that the power of our words and communication in chapter 3. James, the brother of Jesus, begins by saying, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, and I'll be clear, if you were around today, I think you'd also say our keyboards, our words, whatever. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So James' words here, just in one verse, it shows that our communication, how we communicate, is such a window into our imperfection. James says that, that if we can learn to be disciplined and control how we communicate, then we will possess the discipline uh, to, to control any other area of our lives as well. Yet we struggle with such communication because we are so flawed. And he continues, he says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing uh, that makes grand speeches. We're going to stop kind of halfway right there in verse 5. And because Jesus per, or James provides several analogies to show how the tongue are, are words, whether written, spoken, or typed. It seems like something so meaningless. It seems like something so small. But James is saying, well, hold on. You don't understand that that your words, how you communicate, That can control your entire being. That can control your entire influence. That can control your relationships for better or for worse. It just depends on how you choose to communicate. And he goes on in the the second half of verse five. And once again, here's the first part. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. James makes it so apparent to us in a couple of verses that that how and what we communicate it matters to others. It makes a difference in their lives. And every single day, you and I, in every interaction we have, we possess the power to either build people up or tear them down with a variety of different ways in how we choose to communicate. And unfortunately, our negative words can, like a fire is what James calls it, can bring destruction for years to come. I don't want to be too sour, but I'm assuming that if, if asked, most of us could immediately recall one of the meanest things someone has ever said to us. Most of us just thought about that thing right now. It's so easy for us, we forget all the compliments, right? But it's so easy for us to remember uh, the most recent unwarranted criticism ever directed our way. Within minutes, I could probably give you the the top five most painful things that someone has ever communicated to me. I remember those harsh, unnecessary daggers in such vivid detail. And unfortunately, our our biological makeup and how our brain chooses to respond to unhealthy communication, it does actually make us more likely uh, to remember the, the bad things than remember the good things which is why we have to be so cautious in how we communicate with other people if we expect to have healthy relationships. Because they won't forget our slip-ups. They won't forget the harsh things we say. They won't forget our daggers. The book of Colossians gives us this wisdom to live by. It says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Paul's telling this church and Colossae, he's saying, come on. Like, if you know Jesus, you know better. If you know Jesus, you know better. So, so get rid of that unhealthy communication. Stop being so destructive with your words. You know Jesus, so you know better. So you gotta, it's time to deal with that temper. It's time to handle that irritability. It's time to, to give up just being flat out mean. It's time to give up the profanity. Paul's saying, don't, doesn't, don't you get it, church, that if you really, truly know Jesus, then you know better than to treat people he loves with such disrespect. And here's some more wisdom from Paul. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Let everything you say or type be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It doesn't matter who you're communicating to. Uh, your, your spouse, your parents, your, your kids, your coworkers, your friends, your customers, your clients, or even that postal service worker you call every day wondering where your package is, right? I know it's, it's been a month, right? But whoever it is, when we speak in anger, here's the deal. When we speak in anger, we fail to show God's love. When we speak in anger, when we speak with impatience, when we speak with irritability, we fail to show God's love. And when we choose to fail to show God's love, when we choose unhealthy communication, we are missing the mark on one of the main purposes that God has put us in this world to do, and that is to love. When we speak in anger, we fail to show God's love. And although Paul speaks very clearly on what we shouldn't do, he does go on a few verses later in the book of Colossians and he tells us what we should do. He says, since God shows you to be the holy people, he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others above all clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, I understand there's no such thing as a perfect relationship, but whether we're communicating to our closest family member or a complete stranger, we should strive to communicate lovingly. Otherwise, our opportunity to show people Jesus is completely lost. It's damaged. I think also we damage the name of Jesus Christ when we as Christians, as his people, when we're just so careless with our words and we tear people down. Now, if you're someone who struggles with unhealthy communication, if you're someone for years, you've just struggled with patience or anger, whatever it is, irritability, it's essential that you understand the best way to guard your words is to be aware of what's in your heart. If you struggle with unhealthy communication, you would understand that if if you want change, if you want to change your words, then you have to understand what's residing in your heart. Now, I never want us to, to fall into the trap of judging others, but you can pretty much tell The condition of someone's heart based on how you see them communicating with other people. My goodness, especially in today's political climate, mix that with social media, we've all seen people who have this, they claim this deep faith, they claim this loving faith, but yet the way they respond to other people is anything but loving. And it makes us wonder what's really going on in their chest. It makes us wonder what their faith really is all about, because how can they say they love God so much, but they so poorly love other people with their words. Now, that's not an original thought. That's actually the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Because there he says this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And get this. He says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. You want to know what's really in someone's heart? Look how they, how they treat people. Look what they say. That's Jesus saying this. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So the best way to guard your words is to be aware of what's in your heart. And look at these few Proverbs that just powerfully address the blessing or curse that our words can provide. Proverbs 15, one, a gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. Now, I had some interesting insight regarding this proverb when I worked in the corporate world. Um, One of my responsibilities within the corporation I worked at was I got to fire people. Um, And that was not enjoyable whatsoever. Um, A lot of angry feedback. And so uh, my bosses said, hey, we got this great idea. And I'm like, I'm going to stop firing people. They're like, no, we're going to send you to this class in downtown Indianapolis Uh, about healthy communication so you can better respond to those people who you fire. It's like, (laughs) that's not at all what I thought was going to happen. And so I'm in this healthy communication and it's as boring as you're probably thinking it was. Um, And and I'm sitting there listening and, and, and they said, when someone is really angry with you, use the pass the butter tone. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever sat through. What is the pass the butter tone? They're like, when someone's like really yelling at you, really angry, I'm like, this happens often. Go keep going. And they're like, you respond to that person as with the same tone as if you're sitting at a dinner table. And you ask somebody to pass the butter. Folks, it works. It calms people down in a hurry. It reveals how angry they are. And I'm like... I don't know. Jesus, the, the scripture was all about passing the butter before these people were, because this, Proverbs 15.1 is the pass the butter verse. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Because how many times have we seen harsh words thrown out in the midst of communication, and it seemingly just pours gasoline on that relationship's fire? And the next verse, the tongue of the wise make knowledge appealing. But the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Um, challenge to all of us. Find a way to use belches out foolishness this week uh, in any kind of communication. Come back and we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, Proverbs fifteen four: Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. With their words, the godless destroy their friends. But knowledge will rescue the righteous. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. I know some of us, we need to cling to this because it seems like everybody can be so mean, so hateful, so cruel. And we're thinking, is this what the Christian life's about? Just getting ran over all the time? No, no, no. Understand your kindness will reward you. It doesn't say if it's this, this side of heaven or the other, but your kindness will reward, reward you. Um, don't give in to temptation because your cruelty will destroy you. Proverbs 16, 24. Uh, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul. And healthy for the body. Now I'm aware that some of us, we read these, we nod our head, it's good wisdom, but we're going to struggle to put these Proverbs into practice because for some of us, we've really struggled with how we talk to other people. We really struggle with our temper. Uh, We really struggle with tearing people down in the midst of unhealthy communication. And if you find yourself on that side of things, if you're someone who's just struggled maintaining healthy communication, uh, I want you to to make what we're going to read next your prayer. Uh, make it your prayer, the psalm. When you get up to start your day, make this your prayer. Uh, for all of us, at any point in time, we could find ourselves on the brink of communication that we know is going to be tense. And we don't want our fuse lit. Like We want to keep calm. We want to put the Proverbs wisdom uh, into practice, into our lives. And so for all of us, when we we're going into conversation we know could be tense, let's use this psalm and, and, and make it our prayer. Here it is. Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I mean it, if you struggle with your temper, if you struggle with how you talk to people, get up in the morning and say, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And did you notice once again, there's that correlation between what's in our heart and what comes out of our mouth. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be be pleasing to you. And for all of us, I challenge you memorize this and, and pray this as you go into tense communication, but there's another aspect of, of of unhealthy communication that we mentioned is sometimes rather rather an obvious. It sits idly below the surface. It's one of those underlying conditions that people can't tell necessarily if we're struggling with it or not. And that's refusing to listen because communication is a two way street and refusing to listen. As you can imagine, the Bible has not only a lot to say about our words and how we can communicate positively, but has a lot to say about how our lack of listening uh, can affect our relationships as well. I think we can all probably remember one of those moments where we shared our heart and we felt like we weren't heard. Maybe it's a moment of vulnerability where you, you shared something so deep and as you said it, you realized you looked across the room, you looked across the table, you looked three feet across, and you know what you just shared landed on deaf ears. We've had those moments where maybe we build up the courage to say what needs to be said, and, and people aren't listening. We feel just this big. We feel so small. We feel so insignificant. And that's what happens when we speak to others, and we realize that the person we're talking to, the person we're communicating with, they're either just dismissing our words Uh, we, we all know that time when we got done talking and someone said what they already had loaded up and you want to go, did you even, did, did you hear anything I said? Right. But they're already on their third sentence as if we've never spoken at all. Um, maybe it's just one of my pet peeves, but nothing, very few things I should say are more discouraging than to share with somebody and feel dismissed, man. It just makes you feel so small. So not only do we want to be heard, but we have to understand that other people do as well. The people we are in relationships want to be heard. And so healthy communication, as God would would want us to do it, it's more than just conveying our thoughts, but it's willing to listen to others as they speak as well. Uh, I read this week that people are, are, are so desperate to be heard that medical doctors report that a large number of patients come to see them not because of physical problems, but because they desire to have someone listen and care about them. The ultimate reason we want to communicate is to be understood and accepted for who we are. Many people experience the pain of not feeling understood by friends, family, and coworkers. So it's our responsibility as people who cling to faith in God to love people, not just with our voice, to love people, not just with our presence, but to love people with our ears as well. Because when you think about how we view God, when, when we look at God, we know that God is not just synonymous with love. We know that God is love. And part of God's loving nature is he's always willing to listen to us. He's involved like that. He's patient like that. When we speak to him, he's not deaf or dismissive to that. So it's our responsibility to take up that cause for people in our lives as well. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer makes this statement, really aligning these thoughts and kind of gives a grim warning. He says, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He'll be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. Read that part again. He who no longer listens to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He'll be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. Christians, that's us, have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should bear. Now consider some of these scriptures to encourage you as maybe some of us will struggle with patience as we struggle with the ability to listen to others. Fools have no interest in understanding They only want to air their own opinions. Now, some of you are like, that's what I'm going to type back this after. No, that's not, this is not ammunition. This is for us, right? Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And we could go on and on because 44 times in scripture, 44 times in scripture, the Bible calls someone a fool or implies their ignorance. If they are someone who refuses to listen 44 times, this is why the inability to listen to other people can be so destructive in our relationships because you cannot have a healthy relationship. When one person is being foolish with their communication, it's just not possible Now, the Bible even makes me chuckle at times because of of how realistic it is for the wisdom that we need in this life right here. Um, Suppose you are like me, and you find yourself in lots of conversations you really have no business being in. Um, People around you are talking about things that are far outside your comprehension and education level. In that case, the Bible even tells you how to not look like a fool in that moment. And this is probably going to be my life verse. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> that scene, if I put that up there, you'd be like, fortune cookie. Like, nope, God. right? Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. Now, I am so thankful that we have, uh, and we believe, and we have faith in an eternal God who cares so much about our well-being, who cares so much about the quality of our relationships, That he gives us such wisdom to apply to our lives, making it so obvious that a key to having the best relationships that we can have in this life is not just through loving people with our words, not just through loving people with our presence, but love them through listening to them as well. Now, Let's close out this teaching and and this series with uh, these words from the book of 1 Peter. And I think it really kind of encompasses the heart of this series and certainly the heart of this message. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life... If you want to see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Let's pray together. God, I am thankful for uh, the wisdom that you have uh, just dropped on us in this series. Um, You have shown us just so many ways that you desire for us to have healthy relationships, uh, speaking on topics and in ways that most of us maybe didn't realize before. Uh, You've also shown us pitfalls to avoid. You've given us such great uh, wisdom to live by. So God, may we take Uh, this time as your children, not to just be thankful for your wisdom, but to do the hard work of applying it to our lives as well. We know through this series that that I think you've put before us this idea that if if we want healthy relationships, then we're going to have to make some hard decisions. And so give us the courage and the boldness to make those hard decisions, knowing that your blessing on our relationships, your blessing on our lives is on the other side of it.